We live in a world where you can get anything you need delivered to your door thanks to DoorDash. If you don't want to do the dishes or you feel a little sick, let DoorDash bring dinner tonight. My family uses DoorDash all the time because it connects us to our favorite restaurants without us having to drive. Last night, we got some Indian food for my wife, some gumbo for me, and sushi for the kids. And everyone was happy, and we didn't have to do the dishes. The process of ordering was quick and easy, and I love DoorDash for real. So I was so happy to do this for them because I'm a customer, because I know DoorDash is your door to more. Must be over 21 to order alcohol. Alcohol available only in select markets. DoorDash, your door to more. Download the DoorDash app now to get almost anything delivered. You know, Will, we have such a new respect for each other. Mm. You know, and I was just talking to him before I came here and he's like, I'm just so proud of you. He's like, I'm so proud of you. He's like, you're taking a lot of bullets for us. He said, you're taking a lot of bullets for us. You know, he's like, I could never do this. And he's like, I just thank you. And he says, and I love you, and I'm with you. You know? And, you know, it's just, when you can get, we, we've had to come a long way to get to this moment between us. Mm. Yeah. You know, but how, you know, to, to know that you have someone who loves you for all that, the beauty that you are, you know, and, you know, when you're at your most divine and when you're at your most flawed and everything in between and it's not going anywhere. The to ratio. Okay, though. The to ratio. Okay, though. That might be the best question I've ever been asked. <laughs> You're a phenomenal person. I mean, you legendary. I am a fan of you, my brother. Jada Pinkett Smith has a new autobiography out called Worthy. It's an extraordinary story of her life in the streets of Baltimore, being friends with Tupac, having this epic up and down and up and down relationship with Will Smith. And much much more i wasn't gonna read the whole thing i did read the whole thing it was an amazing read we're gonna get into this and more with the one and only the legend jada pinkett smith on Torre show jada hey thank you so much for coming thank you for having me i feel like i've known you forever I know. <laughs> it's crazy. It's yeah. crazy. So I was going to skim the book. Right. And then I couldn't stop reading it. And I read the whole thing in a couple of days because it was like, oh, wait, what else? Oh, oh, what? another, another, another. And so Pac is a huge part of this book. And I'm hip hop. So that was like right. first, like, what are we going to talk about with Pac? <laughs> Right, of course. And it's a really amazing story. You really you add a lot to our understanding yeah. of who he was as a person and some of what was going on with him in Baltimore. Yeah. So tell us who he was to you. Oh, Pac was so many things. He was, you know, when I first met Pac, we immediately connected. It was almost like I knew him already. Mm. You know, we became instant friends. And, you know, Pac was like my brother. He was like, he was like my big brother sometimes, sometimes my little brother. Um, he was very much a protector. Um, he also was a teacher. Mm. He taught me a lot of things, you know, because before I met Pac, I knew a lot about the civil rights movement, mm -hmm. right? But I didn't know a lot about the black power movement. Mm -hmm. And when Pac came into my life, man, that he just- All the things that yeah, mom had taught him. Yeah, all the things his mother had taught Stepfather him. All the things that on his own, he started yeah. to um, research, investigate. He was, you know, he, he had a brilliant mind. Yeah. Brilliant mind. And so, and I loved that about him. He was such a teacher. He was such a, he was so intelligent. And he could go from the Black Power Movement to Shakespeare 
to Van Gogh, from Rakim to New Order. He he was so his interests were varied just like mine. And you 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 to talk about this force of spirit that he seemed to have. Yeah. And that you could kind of like go head to head. Yeah. But like we could argue and it would be thunder and lightning. Yeah, exactly. We both were very spirited and passionate. And I think that's the part that we really connected. Like I could keep up with him. He daggone sure could keep up with me. And I think that's something that even as we got to Hollywood and our career started to take off, we definitely could pull each other's coattails mm. in a way that nobody else could. Well, he called you square. He called me square. He, you are not was, square. Of course, but that's why Pat called me square because it was <laughs> the exact opposite. And you know how annoying big brothers, mm. you feel me? Yeah, that's what I, I said, that. you know. <laughs> He was like my big brother, just annoying most of the time. And it's brotherly because there was this deep love, this deep connection, this deep understanding. And you tried. One of the great stories is that you tell him, come on and kiss me. And he does. And both of you are like. It It doesn't work. Right. And I because we didn't understand either. Like, I get it. We didn't understand. And we were talking about that on the porch that day. And I was like, Pac. You know as well as I do. Come on, kiss me. And he tried to kiss me, and it was a terrible <laughs> mess <laughs> for us both. I always yeah. try to tell people that, yeah. you know, because people are always like, nah, I can't imagine he didn't like kissing you. I get it, but I was there, you know. <laughs> I was there. You add um, some interesting detail to the story of his life. You talk about that he was homeless as a, as a teenager. Yeah, he and Faye, uh, listen, Faye was brilliant. His mother. Yeah, and she was fierce. Yeah. And, you know, I always thought of Pac as being the male version of his mother. Mm -hmm. So they would clash sometimes, you know. And And she was going through a lot of addiction problems when he was a teenager. Absolutely. Everybody's talked about that. Absolutely. And they would bump heads. Yeah. And, you know. He had to leave the house and um, had nowhere to go. And so he I was like, you're going to come with me. And I had him stay with me that, that night. Um, and then the next day, the person that I was seeing at the time, his name is John Cole, who was also a really good friend of Pac's, was like Pac's best friend. John offered his home to stay with him, and Pac lived with him for majority of the time. You describe him sleeping in a situation where there's rats. Yeah, that was in the house that he lived with his mother. And that was in East Baltimore on Greenmount Avenue. And just to say this, like, I was in those streets hard. And I don't mess with East Baltimore. Like, I don't touch it. East Baltimore is a whole nother world of its own. And that's where Pac was. And... You know, it was a, it was a, that house was just not in, 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 was not in good shape. Just like I said in the book, it was like, I could sleep in, I'd like the projects, I could hang all day, right? Mm-hmm. I could, I had no problem. Being in the projects was like being at the Four Seasons compared to mm. where Pac was living. Mm. Yeah, for sure. I only the, went there one time and never returned. Mm. It's too much. It was too much. So the story of him proposing to you is so powerful. Yeah. Can you tell us some of that story? Because it's 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 an extraordinary moment in both of your lives. Yeah. Right. And I see perhaps in him somebody who is clinging to some normalcy. Yeah. Right? Like everything has gone sideways. Will you stay with, with me, me through this? Don't leave me. Um, I had seen him at Rikers. And it was really intense. And um, and I think, a, you know, a while after that, because I'd only, I'd only gone once to see him at Rikers. And um, I, was care of a lo- I was taking care of a lot of things for him as well. I was taking care of Faini. I was um, some of his 
bills, lawyers, just trying to help orchestrate certain things and, you know, just making sure he was straight. And I think for him, that was like, wow. That that was like so many people had abandoned him. Mm-hmm. And he just decided, he just felt like, you've been in front of me all this time and I didn't even know, you know, and will you be my wife? And so... He wrote me that in a letter. So mm. <laughs> I was looking at the letter, uh, you know, as I was writing the book and, and I was going to the envelope and the envelope says J.K.Shakur. And I remember seeing that in the mail, like J.K. Shakur, <laughs> like, right? And Who's me that? opening, right, just opening up the letter. And it was this long two-page letter on a legal pad paper of Pac expressing himself in the most beautiful way. He was so, like, poetic mm-hmm. in how he spoke. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I he called my mother and asked for my hand in marriage, and then he called his mother to tell her what was going on. And then I talked to Afeni, and she was like, look, I just want you guys to do what makes you happy. He's really serious about it, calling... Oh, he was, Your that was Pac, and- though. Pac, like when Pac put his mind to something, yeah. you know, he, he didn't play with it. He's definitely on it yeah, yeah, for yeah, that yeah. moment. It's very real for him. This yeah. is what we're doing. Yeah. And he was very traditional when it came to family. He was very, very, very traditional. A lot of people might not know that. He very traditional in, in how he thought about the structure of family should be, how he thought a man's role should be in a family. Um, and a woman's role in a family, yeah. and um, and he loved children. He adored <sighs> kids. He loved, love, 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 love kids. And um, so yeah. And then I had to really have to have a conversation with him. I was just like, Pac, like that's not us, you know? Because there's be no here. physical connection. We're yeah, because at that part. time, that now at that time, being that age, I mean, Pac had to be. We were we were twenty three. Yeah. You know, and um, you know, when you're that age, that's everything. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. what I mean, yeah. it's everything. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I was like, we, you know, we we don't ha- we don't have that. We don't have that. We're missing an important part of the puzzle. Yeah, and, you know, and but we had this deep love for each other. Like I would, Pac would always be the number one guy in my life, no matter who I was dating. He was the number one, right? But not in a romantic way. It was just where I focused as far as my connection to masculinity because I always knew Pac was going to be there these other dudes boyfriends they'll come and go right and so when Pac needed me I was showing up because no matter what when that dude is gone guess who I'm gonna call Pac right when I need something guess who's gonna be there Pac you know so he always came first no matter what um but at the same time we didn't have that thing to We're be. Missing part of it. We didn't have that thing. But is that the love of your life? Oh, I wouldn't say Pac is the love of my life. And I wouldn't say that I'm the love of his life either. Right? I would say that Pac was just a beautiful expression, a beautiful representation of love in my life. Mm. You know, I don't know if there's such thing as a love of your life. I think that's a very romanticized concept because I think that there are different people that represent different aspects of love. Yeah. Love is so vast, right? It's so vast. And so to say that if, if, if you want to know the love of my life, it would be the great supreme in myself. Mm, interesting. Right? Um, because what I'm finding in my relationship with myself and in the relationship with the great Supreme, oh my goodness, that is like, 
Yeah. That is the core for me. That is the foundation. Without that, there is no love. Yeah. yeah. Right? Yeah. So that's the love of my life. Mm. Right? And then Pac represented an aspect of that love. My kids represent an aspect of that love. My mother represents an aspect of that love. And Will represents an aspect of that love. Right? And so... But yeah, Pac and I couldn't, you know, we would, we just were, yeah, <laughs> you yeah, know, and I went, yeah. you know, and I understand, I understand, I understand how people are like, there's no way the two of you, you know, and I'm like, I'm telling you that it wasn't that. We live in a world where you can get anything you need delivered to your door. Thanks to DoorDash. If you don't want to do the dishes or you feel a little sick. Let DoorDash bring dinner tonight. My family uses DoorDash all the time because it connects us to our favorite restaurants without us having to drive. Last night, we got some Indian food for my wife, some gumbo for me, and sushi for the kids. And everyone was happy, and we didn't have to do the dishes. The process of ordering was quick and easy, and I love DoorDash for real. So I was so happy to do this for them because I'm a customer, because I know DoorDash is your door to more. Must be over 21 to order alcohol. Alcohol available only in select markets. DoorDash, your door to more. Download the DoorDash app now to get almost anything delivered. One of the people who helped inspire me to want to be in broadcasting is Oprah Winfrey. She's an inspiration for so many of us, but her daytime talk show was so incredible. And it told me that you could be black and authentic and real on TV. And that made me want to do it, too. Black Stories, Black Truths is NPR's new collection that's a celebration of blackness. Each of NPR's black voices are as direct, varied, distinct and nuanced as the black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and how to create world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account of what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective. Black perspectives that haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story, but now they are the story. On NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Hear a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcasts that center Black voices. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as varied, as nuanced, and as Black as we are. Stories should never be about us without us. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR, wherever you get your podcasts. Wait, let me jump back for a second. You, the first thing that blew my mind in this book, you're like, I'm in these streets hard. <laughs> I could be a queen pin and I'm going for that. Yeah, I wanted to be a queen pin. Now, you know, I but wasn't, you, I wasn't you, great at being in the streets. You know what I'm but saying? But you were good at it. I was, I, I was holding my own for a while. <laughs> I was holding my own for a while for a good two years. I was holding my own. That's real. And I had a lot, but I was holding my own because I had... I was connected to people as well that were really holding me down as well. Were you, were, I'm trying to figure out what you were doing. Were you on the street or were you, were you a connect, were you a Never. connect? So connect sometimes, definitely did that. Um, and then in the apartment, I was never on a corner. Did ever. you have people on a corner? No. So you were selling to dealers. Yes. I would, no, 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 no. I was... Sometimes I would make those connections and then sometimes I would buy a certain amount of weight and then I would sell myself out of... To customers. Right. Yeah. Out of an apartment. How many people you had under you? I had no one under me. Shut up. It's no, just you and a gun. It was just me. Yeah. I didn't have anyone under me. I was, I was working for someone. I talk about him in the book. Yeah. Chet. Yeah. 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 Yeah, no, I didn't have people. Like, I, I was hoping to get to that. <laughs> That's what I wanted. You know what I you mean? You were selling everything. No, no, no. I was just selling. I was selling Coke that was for crack. 
not Coke, not crack, just Coke. Right. Which but but, you but I always say crack because that's that's what you know people. That's do with what it. that was. It yeah. wasn't. It was. It that's what that was. Yeah. I, so that I just go. You know, I wasn't actually selling the rocks, but yeah. it was prepared for. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, I'm, I wasn't selling Coke to people who snorted Coke. Right, 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 yeah. right, right, right. <sighs> yeah. You must, uh, if you were alone, I was five alone. foot zero, mm-hmm. selling to... But here's the thing you have to remember. I know, but that that's what was crazy because I'm at Baltimore School for the Arts, so you see this girl in blue hair. I mean, look at me. You would never imagine that I would be doing something like that. And the only reason why I got caught out there is because I had a situation with a person. They didn't like how that went down, so they set me up. They set me up. You know, they set me up. And I got out of there alive, but I didn't stop. And then I had another situation, and I had another gun pointed at me, and I was just like, you know what? I am not built for this, clearly. This is not my get-down. And my mother found out as well and got me out of Baltimore. Mm. Yeah. But I mean, you know, we were all touched by drugs one way or another. (laughs) For sure. Yeah. So it was like, I know people are like, what? But it was like, yo, that, I don't know anybody that wasn't doing something. And you know what I mean? You were either the drug dealer's girlfriend, hustler's girlfriend, you were using it. Or you were selling it. Or you were affected by there's a much larger number of cops exactly. in the community because of the war on drugs. Drugs, yeah. So we were all, you know, but, and it was Baltimore. That's what it was. All right, so let me jump ahead because you had two interesting conversations with my friend Hoda at Today Show. Yeah. And the second one, you were like, you didn't really get the message last time. <laughs> And what you were trying to underline for her was that out of sharing everything that you felt about the Oscars and what has happened after what you call the holy slap, Mm -hmm. that it has brought you and Will back closer together. Thank you. Yes. Please explain. Yeah. And so even at the end of her program, her special that she did, and I said, you know, I jokingly was saying, you know, Will is getting old. (laughs) <laughs> somebody's going to have to take care of them and that's mm. going to be me. Mm. You know, and I thought people would get the message that that's what that meant. Um, but yeah, he and I, it's, it's interesting what emotional crisis can do, right? It'll either you deteriorate. Conflict can amplify love. Conflict can amplify love. And that's what it did for me. It did it for me as far as Will's concerned, and it did it for me as far as Chris was concerned as well. Just having more compassion. You know, not condoning anything, Mm -hmm. but having compassion. We're all trying to figure this out, you know, and a lot of trauma just clashed that night, Mm -hmm. you know. But in the wake of that, what you talk about is not, I'm angry with you, you embarrassed me, you did the wrong thing, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. It's... I need to support him. Oh, yeah. He is in crisis. Absolutely. And even though it's of his own making, I need to be there for him. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because that's what being in a partnership is about. Mm. Right? It's a holy path. And you just start to realize, I know for me, you start to realize that being in a relationship is not about what you can get out of it. Being in a relationship is about how can you learn to love within it? All that life offers, the good and the bad, or let me take the bad out, the good and the very challenging, Mm. you know, and none of us will ever be exempt from that. I don't care how many wishes and romantic fantasies you have. Life is going to present itself in challenging ways. We can't get away from that. So how are we going to show up? Mm. Is this chapter, what happened there, writing it all, putting it out to the world, is this leading to a new chapter of your 
relationship. I want to say marriage, but Absolutely. not marriage, right? Where, where, right? Or it's a new day. It's a new, beautiful day. You know, Will, we have such a new respect for each other. Mm. You know, and I was just talking to him before I came here, and he's like, I'm just so proud of you. He's like, I'm so proud of you. He's like, you're taking a lot of bullets for us. He said, you're taking a lot of bullets for us. You know, he's like, I could never do this. And he's like, I just thank you. And he says, and I love you, and I'm with you. You know? And, you know, it's just when you can get, we, we've had to come a long way to get to this moment between us. Mm. Yeah. You know, but how, you know, to, to know that you have someone who loves you for all that, the beauty that you are, you know, and, you know, when you're at your most divine and when you're at your most flawed and everything in between and it's not going anywhere because that's the thing. Feeling like we have to be these perfect people mm-hmm. in order to be loved. We have to be inauthentic in order to feel valued and worthy enough to be loved. And then you have to ask yourself, well, that, is that really love? Right? And I think for me, that was the void. Right? If you feel like you can't be loved for all that you are, everything. At your worst. At your worst. And most people, that's when they want to leave. Leave your side. Mm-hmm. And I knew for me I had turned a corner. That moment, sitting at the Oscars, that instantly, I didn't have to think about it. I did not walk in there as his wife, but I knew the instant that I saw what was happening, I was his wife we walking out of here. I'm walking out of here as your wife now. Wow. And I'm going to be by your side through this. You know. And him using that word in yelling back at Chris, wife. Yeah. I was that, like, that hit you hard. <laughs> yeah, because I was like, whoa. I haven't heard that out of his mouth in a long time. But it brought you back. It brought me back. That it's still in his heart. Yeah, that's my wife. That's my wife. And my I was wife. like, oh, snap. Even that, I was like, whoa, what did he just say? <laughs> I'm trying to keep my cool because I'm like, did I hear that right? You know, yeah, it was so much going on. You know, it was so much going y'all on. Y'all and Chris have been sniping since Oscar's So White. Mm-hmm. And now he's saying wife. And now it was just uh, all these things are happening. Yeah, it's just so much. One of the things you talk about in the book is your understanding of Hollywood, a very particular and unique town. And you are good at saying, no, I'm not going to do that role. Right. Because it's not right for me. And if it's not right for you, the audience will see that it won't work. Right. So you understand the subtlety of staying on that level. Yeah. Right. Of being the number one or number two person on the call sheet or above the title. So understanding that, Will, adding this moment to what we all know about him, right? He was the nicest guy in America, (laughs) right? And then suddenly he let something else show and some people went one way and um, some people went another way. Can Has something been broken as far as his relationship with the audience? Can he continue to be the same you know, number one guy he was before or something changed? You know, um, that's really his journey. I don't know. You know, that's something that in my mind, yes, I think this has been a beautiful opportunity. He's been doing such beautiful work, you know. And so I think just having more of will, you know, more of the beauty of will. And sometimes we have to deal with certain things within to get to those really beautiful gardens that are being 
that have always been there and waiting to be seen. I think in this era of cancel culture, we don't want to see growth. Mm -hmm. We want to strike people down. Yeah. And we don't always think about somebody going through something could make them deeper and more interesting and mm -hmm. more human. We're like, oh, you fucked up. Like, well, everybody fucks up. You just... Well, I, you know, I talk about this in the book. I think cancel culture is a projection of other people's inability to deal with the realities of themselves. Mm. We all carry shadow. Every last human being on this planet. And so I do believe cancel culture is more like, I don't want to look at it. I don't want to have to deal with this. Cancel, 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 you're out. Because I don't want to have to, I don't want to have to deal with me in dealing with this. And that's all cancel culture is. So you're not canceling a person. You're canceling what's coming up for you in it. Mm. Whatever your stuff is, that's what you're canceling. Right? And that's what I really have gotten to realize in all the frying pans that I've been in. The, you know, it's the, there's an interesting arc of will in this book in that it ends with the two of you in connection mm -hmm. after this traumatic moment. But the beginning is kind of rough. <laughs> well, yeah. At I least mean. the way that you choose to tell it. And like the story with your grandmother uh -huh. is one of the first real stories that Will gets in the book. Mm. And it's a moment of sabotage. He sabotages you <laughs> with your grand, with no, his that, grandmother. No, that's his grandmother. With his grandmother. Mm -hmm. The first time you're meeting her. <laughs> you like, call it sabotage? Dude, you are screwing her. <laughs> The first, like, what? Like, you know, I mean, so much with those sort of relationships with grown women and, like, you took your clothes off? Like, I'm being professional. <laughs> oh, my God. Will's sense of humor. Yeah. For some reason, he loves, he thinks making people uncomfortable is funny. He did it to his own grandmother. I, he just has a thing about that. But what I did love about that moment is that it created this openness, this no, me not having to have any airs with his grandmother from the gate. Mm. And she and I had the most special relationship. But it was, took well, a lot of work. Well, it, it was right? through right. Will. He made you <laughs> to work harder to get her to laugh. She liked me from the gate, from that moment. She really did. He just broke the ice. It's fascinating how much you hear about that you heard about what the kids, the folks were talking right. about you and the chirping that was going on over the years. When you talk about coming to, you, you reject the term open relationship. That's what yes. the average person understands it as. That is not the term that you used for it. Yeah. And you, you had a way of saying like, it wasn't like we were just running around doing whatever we want, whatever we want. I'm like, oh, she heard what we were all saying. Yeah. Okay, okay, exactly. Okay, it was okay. like it was never that. But it's it's a it's a very mature sort of contract. Yeah. It's not just go wild. No, not at all. It's not we are each other's beards, right? Yeah. You're like, I heard that too. I heard that one heard. too. <laughs> heard that. Right? And like, yeah. like I've been with women, but that's not who I am. So stop. Right. <laughs> and, like, and that was before I right, met Will. Right? Yeah. Nothing wrong with that, but it's not me. Not me. <laughs> but the contract is very mature. It's yeah. not just go wild. Mm -hmm. It's if temptation comes, That's right. we're going to be transparent and mature about it. Yeah. And I mean, I think we can be in love. Absolutely. And encounter a beautiful person and have a moment and be like, I'm sorry. I still love you. Yeah. That was that moment. Mm -hmm. Right. So it was, it was, it was a really interesting part. Well, the thing about it is that, listen, we're in Tinseltown. Some of the most beautiful people, right? Some of the most dynamic, charismatic, magnetic, energetic fields in the world. We were in our early 20s. I knew what street fame did, all right? 
I knew how jokers on the street with fame were getting down. Okay? And so I was like, hold up. Me and you, we got to be here with it. Because all of this can get distracting and all of this can come in between us. What does eating healthy mean to you? Whatever your eating goals, Thrive Market is the best place to get all your groceries and household essentials. And getting Thrive shipped to your door is like having a great supermarket right outside your house. I love that Thrive Market carries brands with the highest quality ingredients and ethical sourcing methods. Whether you're looking for organic kid snacks or low sugar alternatives or gluten-free essentials, Thrive Market's got it and their site lets you curate your shopping experience quickly. And as a Thrive member, I save on every order, usually about 30%, which of course I love. And when you join, you help a family in need with the membership matching program. Join in on the savings with Thrive Market today and get 30% off your first order plus a $60 gift for free. Go to thrivemarket.com slash for 30% off your first order plus that free $60 gift. That's Thrive, T-H-R-I-V-E Market dot com slash Torrey thrive market dot com slash Torrey on March 16th 2000 two sheriff's deputies were shot in Atlanta Jamil Alamine a Muslim leader and former black power activist was convicted but the evidence was shaky and the whole truth didn't come out during the trial my name is mostly secret and when I started investigating this case in my hometown I uncovered a dark truth about America from tinderfoot tv campside media and iheart podcasts radical is available now Listen to the new podcast, Radical, for free on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. You know, and I think starting those really difficult conversations and nurturing that particular way of dealing with each other really helped us learn how to have really difficult conversations with one another, which is why I think it was so important for us when we decided to go our separate ways in 2016, we knew we could do something better than going to divorce court mm -hmm. and dealing with lawyers. Mm -hmm. So I do think that the setup of that particular kind of relating created a really deep friendship and spiritual bond between us that has kept us going, even through the times where we were questioning whether we wanted to spend the rest of our lives together. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, it really helped to develop. Did, so, so it worked for you. Which part? I, I, Explain again, to you, me your it. Well, you, great question. Yes. You, I, well, first I have to say, what do we call it? Because you reject the term open relationship. Yeah. What, there, there what wasn't terms a, should we use for it? It wasn't an open relationship. It was just like, hey, if you're feeling something, you need to let me know, right? And I'm coming to you, right? Because we're going to be apart and we're just going to have communication. So a period of transparency. So is transparency, that what we call it? transparency is about having transparent communication. I don't want to be in the dark about yeah. anything. Yeah. I don't want to be in the dark. I'm not going to keep you in the dark. Don't keep me in the dark. So that's the transparency. But it wasn't about being able to have relationships. That's not that's not what I'm saying. And so I think people really confuse that with having relationships. That's not what we were doing. That's not it. We're giving each other the freedom. The freedom for? For if something, if you make a mistake, you can come back. No, let's no. not make mistakes. It's not a mistake. Let's talk. Let's be in communication, right? So it's like, if you plan on being with somebody forever, forever, you think somebody's not going to, you know, their attention goes somewhere? Let's talk about that. It's not to say that you're going to act upon that. Because what we want to do is try to avoid that, right? But we need to be in communication about what's going on. Mm. We got to be real with each other about that. We can't be like, you're off in your own secret world fantasizing about whatever, 
You know what I'm saying? And all those gardens and sprouts sprout up. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? It's like, no, let's talk about this. And I feel like in long-term relationships, there needs to be more of that, just open communication, transparency about what's actually going on, about what you're actually feeling. And then however couples want to handle what that transparency brings up is between them, mm -hmm. but that they're in a partnership around it. Mm -hmm. One of the things that meant a lot to me when you talk about your depression being suicidal, it's a period when I was suicidal. Mm. And I remember you get to around 6 p.m. and you're like, hey, the world's kind of shut down now. Yeah. Nobody's going to say anything that could hurt me. I can kind of take down some of the armor and relax a little bit. And and you were like, till 4, if I can make it at 4 p.m. Yeah. I know I'm going to make, I'm, I can handle I can the rest the, of this the day. day. But the morning, to, and, and that's how I felt. I woke up like, oh, dread, 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 right? Like the smallest little thing could yeah. like knock you off the bridge. Then if I can make it into the early, okay, I can breathe a little bit. Yeah. And, and that respite evening kind of yeah. let you kind of get through it a little bit. Yes. Evening was my peace, like where I could like breathe. Yeah, but that morning, whew, hell, hell. I have to continue those cycles over and over again. And it, it, it comes in waves, right? You feel okay, and then there's a spike, and you're like, I can't go on another minute. Yep. But if you can hold on, yep. it goes away. Yeah. And you go back like, okay, this is painful, but I can deal I with can this. I can deal with this pain. I can deal at this level. But yeah, it was just roller coasters, but on an intense, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's always at a high of just like, you know. And as you say, you're you're like, why? Yeah. I have everything, kick-ass career, kids, man, yep. home, things. Like, how could you be depressed? But it doesn't have anything to do with those things. It's nothing to do with it whatsoever. Nothing to do with that. And, you know, nobody was talking about mental health. Right. You know, especially not in our community. Nobody right. It was like, right. depressed? What the hell are you depressed about? You see what's happening over here? You know what they would say? You know, slaves got through it. Yeah. You know. You know, King and them had dogs sick dogs, like, right. chin up, right? Chin, yeah, and we don't even have to say all that, but, <laughs> right. you know, like I know, like if I try to pour my heart out. No. And a lot of black people would be like, chin up. Yeah, get like, it together. <laughs> Did you hear what happened to such and such down on the street and lost a minute? It's like, and you feel like, damn, you're right. But, so, right. But I got a pit in my stomach. Right. Can you help me with that? And so I carried a lot of shame. I carried a lot of shame, and I couldn't see the light at the end of the tunnel. It's hard. Yeah, it's it was hard. really hard. But yes, ayahuasca mm -hmm. helps you get through. I had an epic ayahuasca weekend yeah. that was like transformative, right? Absolutely. I mean, obviously, we're not encouraging others to do oh, it. No, please. But it is an amazing <laughs> it is. experience. Yeah, I would say that that is one plant you want to have a, a really professional guide and you really something you really want to do because it can be intense. But it's not. For recreation. Oh, it's not marijuana. my goodness. No. It takes you deep into your spirit. It's for you your work. Yes. It is for your work. It is not a party situation. No. <laughs> Unless you want to dance with your demons, surely. <laughs> <laughs> I no, mean, that's what you do. You learn something about Absolutely. the depths of your spirit. Yeah, for sure. I, I know I did. It saved my life. Mm. I didn't have a suicidal thought after those four nights. So there was a Prince impersonation ha! that you mentioned? Yeah, I used to do Prince impersonations. Can, can you still do it? I Could I still do a Prince impersonation? I think if I really put my, my mind 
and soul into it, I could definitely. Well, what do we have to do to get you to put your mind? In- oh my God, a whole lot. <laughs> do we have to dance? What do we have to do? I, do mean, I, I couldn't music? get it together today. Okay. I mean, I'd have to sit back and really think about my the song. You know, do you do when doves cry? Yes. I would die for you. Yes. Would it be controversy? Dun, dun. You know, and what would I do? You know what I mean? <laughs> so I would have to really, that's, if I'm going to be messing with Prince, I got to really think about it. I got to, that's a plan. Mm. Yeah, mm. but I used to do, and I used to do lip sync contests. Mm-hmm. I used to make money doing lip sync contests at the mall. Mm-hmm. And you know who would beat me out all the time? Puck. No. Anybody who was lip syncing. New edition, because they had all those moves, you know, the, all those choreographed moves, and it was like four boys, and then you'd have the girls in the, you know, out in the audience, just, ah, you know, and then it's just little me out there trying to be Prince. They were like, who's this little girl trying to play Prince, looking all corny? Yeah. If you had not come with this book, I would have asked you, I want to ask you about acting, mm-hmm. right? And just there, you were like, well, if I'm going to do a Prince impression, I have to think deeply through, what am I going to do? How am I going to do it? So you're a great actor. Let's talk about acting, right? I mean, I think Niobe from The Matrix is one of your most famous characters, mm-hmm. right? It's written for you. That's an amazing story that, you know, Will did not see it. They offered him the role of Neo. He couldn't get it. You got it right away. Like, this is incredible. You need to be a part of this. He didn't see it. Right. He went and made the Wild Wild West. (laughs) And you went up for Trinity. He went out and I think he was doing Ali. Mm. That's what he decided to do. Mm. Ali. Yeah. And you you were up for Trinity, which is an amazing part of Hollywood trivia. You had a shot at that. They also considered Salma Hayek. Yeah. I can see you. I cannot see Salma. (laughs) I love Salma. I cannot see her in that. You can see tough Jada doing that. But then they write, the Wachowski siblings write Niobe for you. Yeah. Who's this human rebel resistance leader, tough, independent. But okay, they hand you a script as an actor, what do you do so that you're ready when they say action? Well, I was, I'd just given birth to Willow. I had a month. And how old is Jaden? Jaden is three. Mm. Babies. Yeah. Full time. Yeah. Blue collar. Yeah. Diapers and <laughs> exactly. crying and toddlers. And- but just so, and my mother is by my side. She's, you know, I'm like, Mom, I need you on the set with me. So she stayed on the set with me. She took care of Willow. She Because I was breastfeeding, too. So she was bringing Willow onto the set every hour. You know what I mean? It was a whole thing. I had my, my girlfriend Fawn with me to help her, to help my mom as well. Because Tr- Jaden was on the set with us as well. It was wild, right? And um, this was not filmed in America, right? This well, was... when we were in San Francisco, we went to San Francisco to film the video game first. Mm. Oh. Yes, we went to San Francisco. And then all of us went to Australia. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so I had a serious weight training. I gained like 15 pounds of muscle. Wow. I, um, gymnastics. Yes, fight training. Because there's a specific form of movement throughout the movie. Absolutely. So you got to get in the vibe. Yep. And so we, it was Kung Fu. But, so we had to, I had to, you know, we all were training together. Um, yeah. But you, when you read the script, are you, I mean, like, there's textual analysis that's part of it. There's you writing out a backstory for this character? Well the well, the siblings had that down. Okay. Yeah. So they I, give you a Bible. Right. That tells you this they, is what this yeah, character is exactly. all about. Exactly. It's it it was very much like a comic book. Right? So backstory, how you look, your attitude, everything. They 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 really crafted that character. So I didn't have you know, I was just Getting from them and understanding from their point of view who Niobe was and just getting in line with that, you know. And they wanted her tough as steel. They wanted her tough as steel. 
is there a moment, a period when you have to sit alone, think about the lines and think about the character and really like bring her to life? What do you do? Yeah, I am. Yeah, I had to really imagine, you know, because it was an it was an altered reality. Yeah. You know, just really imagine like, okay, humanity is at war. Humanity is at war. Right? And um, you know, just getting myself in that mindset, but that's why I really trained hard. I was strong. I was strong. I was about to, you know, compete and like you know they have those like uh, fitness yeah bikini fitness uh competitions like that kind of stuff i wasn't like a a weight lifter but like i was brick so i had the attitude of like warrior soldier i can take on anything i mean i used to try to like wrestle will he was he was training for ali and, you know, you get so brolic and you get so broady. You think, like, I can take down this 6'2", you know, joker. You know, so he had to show me a couple of times, like, I don't care how buff you get. <laughs> <laughs> it ain't happening, you know. <laughs> so, you know, but you, I, that's where I was. I was in that kind of like, Arr! you know. But the- just getting into that mentality, like, we are at constant war. Yeah. What did you do? To get ready for set it off. Set it off was so close to home. It's more you. That was more me. Or who you had been in exactly. Baltimore. I, I was so it Because you were just, the chick who was like ready for action. Yeah, I was ready. I'll shoot. Well, who won't who, who <laughs> who it? Who won't it? Who won't it? We had right, we had to keep telling, please calm down. <laughs> just calm it down. <laughs> we don't need you to yeah. shoot anybody. Because I'll shoot him. Right. <laughs> so I think all of us, we all related so much. To our characters and to the premise of that movie. That movie was very close to me. I knew very well who Stoney was. Mm. Yeah. How'd you get ready for Lena James on A Different World? Well, Lena was me too. I mean, Debbie mm-hmm. Allen created that character, right? So what I wanted to do, though, is I wanted to bring a little funky, fun creativity. So I brought a little bit of the Baltimore School for the Arts in there with the, you know, she would wear bathing suits over jeans and stuff like that. And, um, you know, but the the preparation was more, I was more in a method field with that because it was more of who, who I was. Are you typically a method actor? Um, unless it's, unless it's, I am typically more method for sure. Which means when they call cut, you stay in character. Which means... Yes. And you want people on the set to call no, you? No, 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 no. That's extreme. Okay. Yeah, that's extreme. That's extreme. I don't go that far. You don't, okay. you don't have to call me, you know, name of the character and all that. Um, but you want to live yeah, in I live her. it. I live, I live in it. I'll go on the set. I'll sit, in, I'll sit in the set, live with the set, be with the set, stuff like that, you know, be with the clothes. Like, just try to absorb myself. Fish Mooney. When I did Fish Mooney for Gotham, mm-hmm. it was one of my favorites. Like that's where I did a lot. Of, that's where I created a character mm-hmm. because they had a they had a blank slate. They needed help mm. with who that character was going to be, mm. and so I went back to uh, kind of my 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 queen pin days. Wanted to be. <laughs> Griselda, you know what I'm saying? I was like, who is the most dopest? You know, who was like the dopest like queen pin on the planet? Griselda Blanco. That's who, you know what I mean? And so I was like, yo, that's that's my girl. That's Fish Mooney. So that was my base. And then I was like, oh, and I'm going to make her a chess master. Because they were like, you know, she should be on drugs. She should be alcohol. I said, hold up. A woman that is on substance abuse in in this world will be taken advantage of. She actually has to be smarter and more cruel than all the men. That's the only way she can be on top. Right. Yeah. She's going to be a chess player, (laughs) and she's vicious. 
<laughs> it's not even just about being hard. She's vicious. This is a person like, usually men are like, keep men and children, women and children out of it. You know what I mean? But just that, that you get a script and you say, for it to be its best, we have to do this. Yeah. The character has to be this. So that's yeah. your understanding of the text, your understanding of humanity, your yeah, understanding of what absolutely. the audience will accept. It's not just, I learned the lines and I oh, executed. No, no, I no. brought my own imagination. Sometimes I have to. If I'm working with Michael Mann, you don't have to do that. You don't have to do that. Michael Mann is going to, he is going to put you in the direct, he does all of the um, research for you. He's going to find the people that you need to sit with, that your your character resembles. He's going to tell you how your hair should be. He's going to tell you what clothes you should wear. He is a brilliant, like, character structuralist. You know what I'm saying? Mm. And I trust him. He did it twice. I worked with him in Collateral and Ali. Brilliant. One of my favorite directors to work with. Brilliant. Because I love the way his mind works around the story of character. Mm. I learned so much about thorough research. Mm. What to look for to really get inside the mind and the body of a character that I'm playing. Mm. Brilliant. But as an actor, you're always a student of humanity. Absolutely. Right? How do people communicate who they are? And students of animals. I'll watch squirrels and take on so Interesting. different different um, energies or different ways that animals move, and you implement that into how you're character moves so so you have a spirit animal absolutely so uh fish mooney was more panther very sly and moving very slowly whereas some other characters would be more squirrel what like about you know like oh niobe was more um niobe was more lioness Lioness, yeah, she's more lioness. And then my like girls' trip, squirrely, squirrely, mm. right? So you know, just kind of you know, just kind of fidgety, always you know, kind of moving around all the time, that kind of thing. So you know, you 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 incorporate all these different characteristics, you know, to build. Yeah, yeah. I never heard an actor talk about bringing in animal characteristics sometimes I, I i bring in animals for how my for the language of my body right beautiful you know language of the body so how i sit how i move my hands what's my tempo mm. because animals have a lot of you know different tempo and ways and they move their body you know weight forward versus weight back yeah. you know headlong versus yeah. you know giraffe that long, you know, yeah, it gets crazy. But I learned that in, in school. I mean, you are captivating, right? As soon as you step on stage or screen, we are like drawn to you. There's an it. And everyone wants to make it like, who knows what it is? What is it? <laughs> it is something you just have. It's like, um, there's this book about architecture. I wish I could remember it right now. But it's like when you walk into a room and it's it's a quality without a name. Mm. It's a quality without a name. The it factor is just a thing you have. You can't buy it and you can't create it. It is an energetic field within someone that's like it's like a magnet. Can you control it? You can control it and you can also build on it. And you can also learn its superpower, mm. right? So how you might want to use it. And you have to be very careful. I can tell a lot when people find their it factor and they play it on screen. And I find it annoying. Because you want it, when, you, when, you're, when you're on screen, when I'm watching somebody on screen, screen, I don't want to know that they know that they're in a moment that they're working. And I'm like, damn it. 
that person that's is not, in them. That's not, I believe you. That's yeah. out of I believe you. It's right? right. It's like, ah, wow, this is powerful, but I know that you are playing the camera and you're sitting in your it factor and you're playing your your you are playing it. Rather than being it. Versus being it. And it's very subtle. It's very, very, very subtle. But I don't want to know that you are aware of yourself. Because if you're aware of yourself, you are in you and not the character. And now I'm with you instead of in the scene with the character. Now you done brought me out. Because I always believe you. Yeah. And I'm always sucked in. I try by you. not to play. I, 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 you know, I try. I'm not saying that I'm great at it because I'm not. I probably would be a much better teacher at acting. <laughs> than I am as an actress, to be honest with you, because I've studied it. Mm. But it doesn't mean that what I have studied, that I do it at its best. I can I know, just I see it. Yeah. I understand. I understand. You know? but, but, but let's not let's not act like you're not a great actor well, because yeah, you just... are, you know, as soon as you walk, we are captive. I think that, and, you know, correct me if you think differently, there's kind of two different kinds of actors. There's chameleons, who are completely different each time. Yeah. And then there are people who kind of play themselves yeah. over and over, but they are so compelling that yeah. I will go see, see them Denzel, every time. Do Denzel, yeah. I'll go see Sean Penn, do Tom Sean Penn, Cruise. all of that. Yeah. So which but one? But Tom can go, all of them can go, uh, they can all they can. do something else. They yeah. Can. They're all dope. Which one do you think you are as an actor? I can do both. I okay. love playing me. You play you a lot. I play me all the time because I love it, right? But even, and the audience likes it, right, right? Exactly. And then, but even like the the last Matrix that I did, that's a long story. But I love that I got to play Niobe older because mm. I looked at myself and I was like, I don't see Jadism in there. You know, I got to play old Niobe, still fierce, but she was older, old. And I was like, okay. I, this was the first time, not the first time, that I got to really pull away from. Because even Fish Mooney, I don't know if you've ever seen Fish. She's one of my favorite characters. Fish <laughs> is so gangster. <laughs> even Fish, I can see the alter ego of Jada. Still, you know what I mean? I can see the alter egos just on 10. A, a cartoon movie, a lot of people wouldn't think that much of it, but in Madagascar, mm -hmm. you are communicating a lot just through the voice. Exactly. You don't get to use the, the, the body and the face, which is the main instruments. Yeah. And yet the communication of tone, of comedy, of, of character. That work is, is hard. I never thought how hard just using your voice when I'm, let me tell you, those hours in that booth, I come out of there, I'm tired as hell. I'm like, what? I just sat there. I'm just reading lines. But it, it it's work because you don't, you're right. You have to communicate so much. And I know people are like, communicate so much through your voice. No, yeah, you do. You do, you know, because I don't have the costume. I don't have the set. I can't see what's going on. All you have is your imagination and trying to figure out how to be this hippo through the microphone. <laughs> right. No, you can't smile to communicate while well, she actually means this and that. Yeah. So wait, you're one of the great black actors of your generation and everybody who comes on the show, I talk to them about what does it mean to you to be black? Mm. Hmm. What does it mean to be black? I know as a black woman, I'm constantly trying to expand the concept of the idea of what a black woman is. Yes. Constantly. Some people ride with me with that. Some people don't, you know. But I see... As a black woman, we have outside of the boxes that we even put ourselves in. Mm -hmm. There are so many gifts 
within our spirits, within our capacities, that we keep ourselves from finding, being in fear of staying stuck in an identity of what we believe is black and woman. Mm. You know, like the idea of raising black children that feel free. Mm. And that that doesn't look like how black people raise their children. It's like, is it more important to look how black people raise their children versus raising free black children? <sighs> so I find myself constantly in frying pans, mm -hmm. specifically in my own community and specifically with black women and trying to expand the ideas of how we see ourselves and how the world sees us. But I'm okay with that. I'm really okay with that. Yeah. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. That was amazing. Thank you so much to Jada for a great interview and thanks to you for listening. Torre Show gives you fuel to power your dreams because you can use your dreams like a rocket ship to blast you into a life you never imagined. You can make your dreams a reality. And maybe this show can help. You can find me on Instagram at Torre Show. Torre Show is written by me, Torre, and produced by Jennifer Brown. Our editor is Ryan Woodhall. Our engineer is Claire McHale. Our booker is Claudia Jean. And we're distributed by DCP Entertainment. And we will be back next Wednesday with more amazing guests because the man can't shut us down. We live in a world where you can get anything you need delivered to your door thanks to DoorDash. If you don't want to do the dishes or you feel a little sick, let DoorDash bring dinner tonight. My family uses DoorDash all the time because it connects us to our favorite restaurants without us having to drive. Last night, we got some Indian food for my wife, some gumbo for me, and sushi for the kids, and everyone was happy, and we didn't have to do the dishes. The process of ordering was quick and easy, and I love DoorDash for real, so I was so happy to do this for them because I'm a customer, because I know DoorDash is your door to more. Must be over 21 to order alcohol. Alcohol available only in select markets. DoorDash, your door to more. Download the DoorDash app now to get almost anything delivered.